found a shocking statistic that 89% of adults know that they should write their goals, but yet less than 10% actually do. So I started looking at that. I said, why is that? If they know they should, but they don't. And I started looking at it. Writing your goals by itself can actually be a very negative experience. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Glenn Lundy, president and CEO of the 800% Elite Automotive Club. The automotive industry has had a bad reputation in the past, and Glenn wanted to change that. He has worked to train dealership owners and general managers on how transforming their company culture can supercharge the effectiveness of their dealerships. By doing this, the lives of their employees are positively impacted, and in turn, they set themselves up for a sustainable lifetime success. Glenn has dedicated the past 25 years of his life to the automotive industry and has built a reputation as a respected professional in the field. As an author, Glenn has written several books sharing his knowledge and expertise in an effort to help people unlock their full potential. In addition, he is a sought-after motivational speaker using his experiences to inspire and encourage others to achieve their goals. He also hosts a daily morning show called the 800% Club, where he shares his insights and knowledge to help people all around the world unlock their full potential. Listen in for some great takeaways about Glenn's transformation from car salesman to successful entrepreneur and his mission to help others do the same. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure today of being with Glenn Lundy, the president and CEO of the 800% Elite Automotive Club. I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Hey, thank you. Honored to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. So listen, I know a great deal about you as I was going through the process of talking to you about coming on the show. I learned a lot about your background, but I also want to share some of that background with our listeners. We're going to get into what you're doing today with the 800% Elite Automotive Club and some other things, but I'm always fascinated by the entrepreneurial journey. So perhaps you can share kind of your journey leading up to founding that organization to give our listeners a little bit of an inclination about who Glenn Lundy is. Yeah, absolutely, man. Again, I appreciate the opportunity. So I am an automotive guy. I come from the auto world. I started in sales back in 1999. And I have basically what I call two seasons of life in automotive. So I had one season of life where I worked at a dealership I got promoted through the ranks, made it into a high tier leadership position. And meanwhile, the dealership itself never grew. It just never grew. My career grew, but the dealership did not. And my life outside of the dealership 
went the other direction. It basically fell apart while I was in that world. Fast forward, I got out of automotive for a little while, went through a season of just an interesting, very interesting season of, of my life, homelessness, in and out of jail, depression, suicidal thoughts, etc., and an awakening of sorts and moved to Kentucky. I grew up in Arizona and I moved to Kentucky. And when I got to Kentucky, I met my now wife, I decided to get back into automotive. But this time I made the decision that my career was going to blossom. The business around me was going to blossom and I was going to make a positive impact on the industry versus the industry having a negative impact on my life. And in doing so, I went into a Chevy store, started as a salesperson, worked my way up to top tier leadership. And we grew that dealership 800% in just under six years, making it the second largest used car franchise dealership in America. And after doing that, I decided that hey, if we could do this in one store in a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, maybe we could help more people do this all over the country. And that was the birth of 800% Elite Automotive Club, where I now work with owners and general managers of car dealerships all over North America, helping them grow and scale, hopefully 800%. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm glad you got through that dark period of your life, for lack of a better term. And I'm glad you're still here with us today. As many of our listeners know, I lost my brother-in-law to suicide about 19, 20 years ago and spent a good deal of time on the national board for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. One of the things we always talk about here on the show is the importance of the three-legged stool, your physical health, your mental health, and your financial health. Because if you're lacking in one of those areas, it makes it very difficult for the other. So thank you for still being here. And I'm glad we're able to have this conversation today. Yeah, I'm definitely grateful to be. I know that I'm one of the lucky ones. A lot of people don't get out of those situations. I totally understand that. Luckily for me, God saved my life and and put me in a position to give me another shot. Give me another chance. Great. So from car salesman to successful entrepreneur and keynote speaker, can you elaborate a little bit on that transformation? Because I don't know many people that would put that kind of path together and, and understand that. How do you go? How do you resign yourself from going from car salesman, successful entrepreneur, keynote speaker? Because that's quite the transformation. When I was in a leadership position at the dealership there in Paris, Kentucky, one of the keys to our success was I understood that we had to use social media in order to drive traffic, in order to recruit top talent. We were in such a small town that if we didn't utilize these tools, there was no way we were going to be able to grow and scale. I started to be the face of the dealership on social media and started to get very creative with how We deliver our marketing and tell our story of a dealership. In that process, I learned a lot of skills, a lot of speaking skills, a lot of how to be on camera, the different things, the different hooks and styles and how to be entertaining and fun and so on and so forth. Fast forward, Colin Kaepernick took a knee and the world went bonkers. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. do. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick took a knee, the world went bonkers and I spent the next probably year, every time I was on social media, 
I was frustrated because there was so much division and so much hate and people just attacking each other. It just, it really started to bother me. And at some point in my life, I learned that if something really bothers you, it might just be God calling you to do something about it, right? Fast forward, I was like, well, what can I do? I can't make people stop hating. I can't control other people's actions. I can't get negativity off of social media. That's not going to happen. So what can I do? And I determined that the one thing I could do is I could create a safe space online where there would be no politics, no division, no hate, no anger, none of that. I started going live at 5.30 a.m. Monday through Friday with motivation, education, inspiration. That's it. And I started going live in my utility closet of my house because that was the only place my wife would let me. So I didn't wake up anybody else at 5.30 in the morning. And the show blew up. We created a community around it. We were able to, over time, raise over a million dollars for different charitable organizations through the show. It got me booked on stages to start doing the speaking thing, so on and so forth. I was still working in the dealership. I was doing the show in the morning. And then the show became kind of more of uh, purpose work. And as I started to make a transition, I realized, hey, if we can get a different situation in automotive where we can still help dealers, but not necessarily be locked into the schedule that it takes to successfully operate a dealership, we can maybe do some more of this impact work, right? Call it a ministry. We can do more of this impact work and still do what we love in the automotive space. So that's what kind of created the opportunity is the social media side got me into some doors and created some opportunities for me. And then my experience in automotive brought me in as a professional and as a successful person who had some receipts. And so you put those two together and next thing you know, you're speaking on stages all over the world. (laughs) Yeah, The show you're referring to is Rise and Grind, correct? That's correct. Yep. Rise and Grind. So that was really the impetus that allowed you to really make that transformation from car salesman to successful entrepreneur to keynote speaker. That was really it. Yeah, absolutely. Having an audience, having a community. Didn't know exactly what I was doing as I went through that transition, but having a little bit of a safety net definitely helped, right? I was able to let go of the thing that I'd been doing for over 20 years. I was able to let go of that knowing Hey, I've got this community. I've got this thing going on here. I've made some cool connections, built some strong relationships. Having that in the back of my mind made it easier to make that transition. Sure. Sure. One of the things that you talk about is celebrating behavior that you want to see more of, right? Why do you think that's so important? Probably in a lot of businesses. I can't speak to all businesses because I'm primarily an automotive guy, but definitely in the automotive world and My guess is in a lot of businesses, we celebrate rarely and we operate daily. So one of the things that I found was beneficial to getting the most out of people is celebration. I have eight kids. Oh, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) I have eight kids and I kept noticing that when it came time to potty train our children, It was never, you're bad because you didn't use the potty properly. It was a huge celebration every time they did use the potty properly. 
And having a bunch of kids in our house, the celebrations were like parades every time <laughs> one of these kids would use the bathroom. So I call it the Fisher went pee-pee in the potty process because Fisher's my youngest son. And what I teach my clients is find behaviors that you want to see more of and celebrate those. Like fully over the top, celebrate, clap, cheer. You see somebody picking up trash in the parking lot, clap, cheer. Those are the behaviors we want to see more of. Somebody's successful, they close three deals in a day. Let's clap, cheer. Those are things we want to see more of. Somebody's kind to another, they treat a client properly, they handle a heat case, celebrate. Because typically what I see is most industries or most businesses, they'll have maybe a goal or a target, a monthly goal, a monthly target. If they don't hit the goal, there's no celebration. If they do hit the goal, there's a short celebration, and then we get right back to work. It's hero to zero the next day. So in the dealership that I had the opportunity to run, we created a way to celebrate things daily and create opportunities to celebrate people. I shouldn't say just things. Celebrate people daily, and in doing so, we quickly were able to create a culture where people were making decisions that were in the best interest of the company, not necessarily in the best interest of themselves. Well, let's expand on that a little bit more. Can you give us like some actionable ideas on how you celebrated it? Because I think when most people hear about that, right, their inclination is, oh, I would love to do that. I'd love to celebrate. And then they start thinking about it and they think that it's got to be this real intricate, time-consuming thing that's not going to be sustainable over a long period of time. So what does that look like? What are those celebrations look and feel like? So in my dealership, we had daily morning meetings. And these morning meetings, everyone on the team was there, management, salespeople, finance people, everybody across the board. We had daily morning meetings and we followed a process that I've broken down into an acronym. We call it the LEAD process, L-E-A-D-D which is listen, encourage, advise, and develop. And we do it daily, L-E-A-D-D. Our meetings were structured that way. We would listen, which means I was the first person in the room, not the last person in the room, so I could hear what my people were talking about. And I would ask lots of questions in the morning. Hey, what do you got going on? What did you do last night? How's your wife? How's your kids? Whatever, right? Two ears, one mouth, listening twice as much as I talk. Then we would go into the E, which is the encourage portion of the meeting. So every meeting started with us celebrating behaviors we wanted to see more of. For example, somebody got a good Google review. Larry gets a good Google review. I put the Google review up on the screen and I read it, right? Mm -hmm. Larry did this. Larry did that. Larry did this. Larry did that. Then the whole team claps and cheers. Way to go, Larry. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about, right? And it creates this energy of celebration. Then I put up another Google review and I did this, so on and so forth, did this. Then I might say, hey, everybody look at John. John's over there in the corner. He's only been with us two months. He had his first two-card day yesterday. Let's celebrate John. And we celebrate John, right? Maybe Mickey went out of their way to a car. A customer ran out of gas and Mickey went out of the way to put gas in that customer's car and make sure they got to the birthday party they needed to get to. Let's celebrate Mickey. Way to go, Mickey. So we're just celebrating these things collectively. And what ends up happening is not only does that person feel encouraged, their chest puffs out, but now we have people in the organization that are going, 
I want you to celebrate me. I want to be that. I want to be the person standing in front with the good Google review. I want to be the person who took the gas tank down the street. Like they want to become that person that gets celebrated by us doing that in a forum like that. So it's not a big deal. It doesn't cost you any money. It's a few minutes every single morning. They learn to expect it and then they strive to be a part of it. I want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our latest best-selling book, Financial Planning Made Personal. It breaks down complex financial concepts into simple, easy-to-follow steps that anyone can understand. Everyone has a unique financial journey, and this book can help yours. Do you have your copy yet? If not, please go to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and order one today. And I have one more question for you. What did you do today that brought you joy? Thank you for sharing that. I think that's hugely impactful for sure. One of the things I know you're very passionate about is that gratitude and goals are the same thing. Can you share with us what you mean by that? I believe in morning routines. I think morning routines are one of the most crucial and important aspects of success. And your morning routine needs to tap into mind, body, and spirit. And part of that is a process of gratitude and goals. So I have a five-step process, no snooze button, no phone first thing in the morning, gratitude and goals, take care of the physical, send out an encouraging message. Those are the five steps. And the reason we put gratitude and goals on one step, not separate steps, is because I did some research and I found a shocking statistic that 89% of adults know that they should write their goals but yet less than 10% actually do. So I started looking at that. I said, why is that? If they know they should, but they don't, what is behind that? And I started looking at it. Writing your goals by itself can actually be a very negative experience. I wish I had more money. I wish I had a bigger house. I wish I was better looking, right? All of these things can create a negative experience. Well, who wants to do that, right? right? Whereas if we start with gratitude, I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head. I'm thankful that my bills are paid. I'm thankful that I woke up today because 77,000 other people did. And I want to make more money, have a bigger house and be better looking. Now it's a positive experience. The gratitude is actually the fuel, the jet fuel that turns the goal into something positive and meaningful versus having that goal be something deprecating that makes you feel less than. So gratitude and goals together now creates an environment that we want to be a part of, whereas goals by themselves is something many people try to avoid. Yeah, makes a lot of sense for sure. Makes a lot of sense. So one of the things I know in an area because of your social media background, and that's kind of what launched you through the show Rise and Grind, launched you into the position you are today, you have some very specific thoughts around AI, which is, I think, something that when you talk about online presence and anything technology-wise, AI comes up. And one of the things I've seen you share is using the prompt, the three words, act as if, and you say that these are three words that people should put before an AI prompt. Why do you say that and how will this transform the way that we or business owners use AI and the results that they get? So a long time ago, a great mentor of mine, he said, you don't know what you don't know. 
I said, well, yeah, of course I don't know what I don't know, right? I don't know what I don't know. He put it like this. He said, you'll remember this for the rest of your life, and it might be the biggest piece of wisdom you ever receive. And at the time, I'm like, what the heck is this nutcase talking about? But fast forward, you don't know what you don't know. When you go to use an AI like a chat GPT, if you are only bringing to it your thoughts, your ideas, your questions, then ultimately you're leaving this whole world, this space that you have no idea anything about because you don't know what you don't know. So you don't even know what to ask it to get an actual response. So what I do and what I learned and what I teach people to do is instead of saying, hey, this is my fitness routine. Can you help me put together a two-week plan or whatever? Instead of doing that, I say, act as my fitness trainer and ask me the questions you need to know to do your job properly. So now the AI will actually ask me questions I never even thought to give it the information. It'll ask me maybe my dietary habits. It'll ask me about my background in health. It'll ask me how physical I have been over the last so many years. It'll ask me what my targets and goals are. It'll ask these tremendous questions that allow it to now curate something very specifically for me. I can do it in the finance world. I can do it with writing. When I was writing a book that I'm actually in the process, I'll be publishing here in the next few months. When I was writing my book, I said, act as my literary agent. What are some of the aspects I need to make sure to include in my covered creation, in my design, and in my layout to make a book successful? Ask me the questions you need to know. So then it says, hey, what's the book about? What's the genre? Who's it for? Are you planning on doing it this way or this way, et cetera? All these things I don't know anything about because I've never published a book before. Right. And now here it is acting as my literary agent and guiding me moving forward. So, yeah, those words act as if and allowing the AI to now become the professional and ask you questions versus you asking it questions takes AI to a whole other level. It's incredible. Well, that's amazing. I've never heard that concept before. It sounds extremely interesting and makes a lot of sense in terms of, like you said, most people have no idea what you ask or what's an appropriate or good question to ask to get the end result you want. So you're like flipping the table on the technology and basically saying, hey, I don't know what I don't know, to your right. point. Tell me what you need to know to help me. And I think that's super, super impactful. And I'm going to certainly be giving that a try in the near term here. It's awesome, babe. Sometimes I'll put in there, um, like if I'm getting ready to meet someone, right? Say I'm getting ready to meet someone of heavy influence. I'm getting ready to meet someone super successful. I'll put in there, I'll put act as if, right? Act as if you were my casting director and I'm being cast for a position where I'm going to interview Larry Blank, right? So what questions should I ask Larry to make me better in my role? It will ask me the questions to get more clarification about what's going on. And then it'll tell me what questions to ask, which I never would have thought to ask and creates these deep, meaningful, like when I do an interview or whatnot, creates these deep, meaningful conversations on information I never knew. Yeah, boy, man, things are changing quick. One of the things that I've loved about hosting this show is getting to hear so many amazing stories about how people have crafted their paths. It's always like we're talking about their path. Well, it wasn't a straight one. It was a windy one. The entrepreneurial journey seems to take a lot of left turns, right turns. It's never 
a straight path. For you, what made you make the change and the leap from being the car salesman? I understand how the Rise and Grind show really fueled a lot of your exposure, right? But what really fueled you to now say, you know what, I'm going to now take this and use it as a blueprint to help other dealerships, help other car salesmen do what I was successful doing at this 800% growth. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to found the 800% elite automotive club and help others kind of follow the same blueprint. How do you get to that point? What was the driver there for you? Larry, it's interesting. Right now, as we have this interview, you see me, I see you. It looks like we're having a one-on-one interview. But the reality is with me sitting in this chair is so many different mentors, coaches, motivational speakers, books that I've read, concepts, ideas. They all resonate within me. They're all, they're all with me in this moment. As I think back through that transition, it was a combination of all of those things. My grandfather passed away roughly 18 years ago. The circumstances around his death when he passed away helped me to realize that we are most comfortable in life right before death. Because he fought cancer for a very long time. He was in a lot of pain. But the moment right before he died, he was incredibly comfortable. So I remind myself anytime I get into a super comfortable situation, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on, right? Because when we get comfortable in our relationships, relationships fall apart. When you get comfortable in your position at work, somebody comes in and eats your lunch. When you get comfortable with your body, oh, I'm good. I don't have to do nothing. I'm set. No, dude, your body falls apart, right? Learning that, I'm constantly wanting to push and challenge. We had a ton of success at this dealership. We grew 800%, second largest in the country. I did realize at that point, pretty comfortable. We're right here at the top. Everything's great. I'm in a very comfortable position. I might want to do something about that. Now, maybe call me a little crazy, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Then there's this book. I call it the best-selling. I call it. It is the best-selling book of all time. It's called The Holy Bible. If anybody's ever read it or haven't read it, it's okay. It's just a, it's mm-hmm. a bestseller. In that book, it talks about the gifts and talents that we've been given And how we have a responsibility to multiply those talents. If we don't multiply the talents, they'll be taken away. So I think about that all the time. And I think, okay, am I taking the gifts and talents that I've been given and truly maxing out the opportunity? Have I taken it as far as it can possibly go? People message me all the time. They say, hey, Glenn, I'm thinking about quitting my job. I'm thinking about ending my relationship. I'm thinking about whatever. What is your advice? And my advice is always, can you look in the mirror and say you maxed out the opportunity? Well, what does maxed out the opportunity mean? Are you the best at it? And is there no higher you can climb? If the answer to both those questions are yes, then it might be time to make a change. But if you're not the best at it and you haven't fully maxed out that opportunity, I would suggest you have a cold, hard look in the mirror and say, hey, there's more to be done here before I move to that next season in my life. So I think about that a lot. And I was at the top. There was nowhere else I could go within that organization. The owner had made it clear there would never, ever be any equity or partnership or anything like that. We had taken it as far as we can go. I was the best. And therefore, I felt super comfortable leaving on top. Right. Captain never jumps from a sinking ship, 
but a captain always is honored for getting off of one that has landed safely, right? I put those things together, and then there was a book called Blue Ocean Strategy that I read. Mm -hmm. Incredible book. And a very hard read, but an incredible book. In that book, it talks about where is the opportunities that no one else is. That's wide open. I noticed in automotive, there's sales training and finance training. There's leadership training. There's software and all these other things. You know what there's not? There's no one working with the owner directly or the GM. Like you reach a certain level and there's no more training. That's because most people that are successful at an owner or GM level, they buy more dealerships. They don't go out and teach other people how to do it. They're Mm -hmm. successfully making millions and millions and millions, which was an option for me. I could have went out and bought another store. But my heart was built more around, I want to create a life that doesn't have me locked into a retail facility, but still be able to make the impact in auto that I know my skills and wisdom and experience can make. So I created a blue ocean strategy of training and consulting at the owner level that's never been done before in automotive. So you take the books and the mentors and the experiences and the wisdom, and you put them all together, and it guided me to where we are now and continues to guide me as we transition into whatever's next. Yeah. Blue ocean was a great book, by the way. I agree with you. It was a, it was a little bit of a challenge to get through, but it was definitely eye opening for sure. Whoever wrote blue ocean strategy is definitely not a storyteller. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So I got to ask you, you mentioned it earlier, eight kids. And you talk about them with a smile. And we have so many entrepreneurs who listen to the show. And I feel like people are such on the go, 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 right? They're always going, going, going. Can you share a bit about how you found a way to enjoy, because we're all about joy here on the Midland Money Mindset, how you've gone about finding a way to enjoy your time with family, as well as balancing that or finding harmony with your professional career. Yeah, I got really lucky, man. I got really lucky in the sense that, well, one, I got lucky because I have an amazing wife who supports everything that I do. But I got really lucky in the sense that I started studying the English language and getting an understanding of the energy behind our words. And in doing so, I found something fascinating. I found that I would talk to very successful people and they would say, I am going to invest in the stock market. And I'd say, oh, that's great. And I could tell they were expecting an ROI. I would hear them say, I'm going to invest in my business. I could tell they were expecting an ROI. I would hear them say, I'm going to invest in personal development. I'm going to invest in a conference. I'm going to invest in whatever. And they were always expecting an ROI. The word invest is directly associated with an expectation of a return. Mm -hmm. Then, Larry, that same exact person I'd be talking to, and they'd say, I'm going to spend time with my kids. I'm going to spend time with my wife. Interesting. I'm going to spend time on vacation. Well, if you look up the definition of the word spend, it's a deficit. It's a negative. If you spend $5, you got $5 less, right? We all Mm -hmm. understand that. Yeah. So we're investing in our businesses, in ourselves, and in our finances, and yet we're spending when it comes to our spouse's our kids, the things that matter most. So what I was able to do is just eradicate the word spend, completely pulled it out of my vocabulary, replaced it with the word invest. And here's what's fascinating. I'll use my experience. When I invest 
five minutes with Willow, my nine-year-old, right there when she needs it most, instead of saying, hold on, daddy's on the phone, or hold on, we'll do that later. If I just invest five minutes right now, I get her ROI. She gives me a kiss, she gives me a hug, and she doesn't want anything to do with me for like the next (laughs) Running around with her friends doing whatever. When I invest time in the morning with my son working out or practicing soccer or on a weekend doing some fishing, I get a return. The kid loves me. He's well-balanced. He's doing great. When I invest 30 minutes with my wife watching Friends, King of Queens, Everybody Loves Friends, (laughs) or Big Bang Theory, if I invest 30 minutes at night before we go to bed, I get a return. She loves me. Even though it it seems like we're just spending time watching TV, we're Mm -hmm. not. We're investing in our relationship. So what I found is there's also aspects of my business that if I invest an hour, I don't have to spend a day. If I invest intentionally into our social media versus scrolling on social media and just spending time there, if I invest time there, we get a return. What I've learned is you can invest in your fitness, invest in your faith, invest in your family, invest in your business, invest in your finances, invest in your career, invest in your self-development. You can invest in all of those areas and they each take a different investment in order to get an ROI. Whereas a lot of people are trying to balance, they're trying to spend an equal amount of time in all those areas. Some things take a bigger investment than other things. And when you start to discover those and be very intentional with your time, it makes this harmony. It's this beautiful harmony because everyone in my family feels seen, heard, and significant because of the investment I make in them. Everyone in my company feels seen, heard, and significant because the investment I make in them. And my clients feel significant because of the investment I make in them. And all of them are getting an ROI. Such great perspective. And I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bet. Definitely going to change my vocabulary a little bit as well. So thanks again. So listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. And we end each of our shows by asking each of our guests the same question. Because like I said, we are about joy. It's the Midland Money Mindset. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? So the thing that I did today that brought me joy and continues to bring me joy and set me up for success is I woke up and didn't hit the snooze button. I didn't touch my phone first thing this morning. I wrote down my gratitude and my goals. I took care of myself physically, and I sent out an encouraging message by doing a 30-minute episode of my show this morning that went out to however many people, bringing them motivation, education, and inspiration. Powerful morning routine. That is the key for me. Today, tomorrow, last week, and next week. I don't hit the snooze either, but I also don't set an alarm. So awesome. my body wakes up at the same time every day. It's kind of crazy, but that's beautiful. Man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the days that I have to, there are days I have to set an alarm because I want to make sure, but I don't like those days so much. I, I'd rather <laughs> not have the alarm go off. Understood. So Glenn, we're going to have all of your information in the show notes, but. If people want to learn more about you, connect with you, learn more about the 800% Elite Automotive Club, what's the easiest and the best place for them to do that? I like to tell people, man, I like exchanges and energy right out the gate. So I wrote a book called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. It's a free ebook that you can download. Just go to themorning5.com. It tells a little bit more about my story so you can get to know me a little bit as well as learn these very practical, easy to implement 
tips on changing the way you start your day. After you read the book, it takes you less than an hour to read it. After you read the book, if you want to get to know more, then obviously connect with me on all the socials, so on and so forth. But it's a great place for us to start our relationship. Awesome. Well, thank you, Glenn. I appreciate your time today. I appreciate you sharing your story. And most importantly, I appreciate all the great takeaways for our listeners today. So thank you for that and enjoy your day. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you. This has been great. I want to thank Glenn Lundy for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Glenn has had an incredible journey from car salesman to successful entrepreneur, and he believes others can do it too. He's on a mission to help others reach and surpass their goals. His passion and perseverance are found in all that he sets out to accomplish. Glenn truly embraces the morning routine, and you should explore it too. You do not need to do what Glenn does, but simply find your own routine to start your day off intentionally. Glenn Lundy and the 800% Elite Automotive Club can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.